This is the Lead Well Podcast. Welcome to the Lead Well Podcast, where we're talking all things leadership, talent, and culture. I'm your host, Missy Darden, and our special guests today are Operator Brandon Hurst and his Director of Operations, Isaiah Pride, from Flatbush and Atlantic Inline in Brooklyn, New York. Brandon and Isaiah, we're so excited to have you with us today. How are you both doing? Good. I am doing wonderful. Um, It's a great morning. Already started to put out some fires. You know, just another day in the average life of an operator. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, same here. Doing very well. Uh, great morning. Uh, woke up on a great side of the bed this morning. Looking forward to just recording this podcast. So great for asking. Love that. Waking up on the right side of the bed, putting out fires. Sounds like just a regular old Wednesday. Um, well, today I'm excited to talk to you all about your team member value proposition and um, all the different offerings you offer to your team members in your restaurant. But before we get started, of course, I have to ask the question and we'll start with you, Brandon. So what was your journey to Chick-fil-A? Yeah, so I'm originally from Atlanta, which we all know is the birthplace of Chick-fil-A. But ironically, I knew nothing about the Chick-fil-A brand growing up. But I was first formally introduced to the to the brand my sophomore year in college. And I had a, a friend of mine that said, Brandon, man, Chick-fil-A across the street is looking for a marketing director. You should go and apply. I think you would be really good for the role. And I'm like, nah, that's not me. I'm really trying to groom myself. I want to go to law school. So after consistent peer pressure, I eventually gave in, (laughs) decided to go and apply. And I started working for Robert Ike, uh, who's still the operator there in Montgomery today. Um, Just started to get more acclimated to the culture and fell in love with it very quickly. Spent almost two years in the Chicago market before joining the LDP program or what is today the leadership development program for Chick-fil-A. Quickly after that, that's where I started to plant to seeds for New York. I made it very clear to Chick-fil-A, like, hey, I'm passionate about being in these areas. I didn't want to be in the typical suburban restaurant. I wanted to be on kind of like the pioneer side of things because that's what I was familiar with. That's what spoke to my heart. And so fast forward, I get an opportunity to open Baltimore City's first um, inline restaurant. And so we opened that in 2015. And I was there for almost five years at the Inner Harbor before relocating here to open up in Brooklyn in 2019. Thanks for sharing, Brandon. Isaiah, what about you? Absolutely. So um, I got introduced through Chick-fil-A really through like I had a couple friends who were working at the restaurant at the time. And at the time, the only real like experience I had was doing various different internships, specifically really centering them in like law. So I went and applied, uh, was actually late to the interview. Um, I got the interview. I got the interviews mixed up. So fast forward from there, I had the opportunity to come on, join the team, started on as a team member. Um, Throughout the various different years, I had the opportunity to matriculate through different leadership roles. I decided to take the leap of faith and go to Brooklyn and move to New York City. It's so funny that we talk about the Star Love offering and what that benefit provides. For me, um, I decided to use our debt reduction program in which uh, for two days a week, I would travel about two to three hours via train back and forth on the Amtrak to attend college and then come back to New York City. Um, so I did that and I was able to get some of those expenses reimbursed back through me through our debt reduction program. So um, forwarding from there, I had the opportunity, like I said, this was the end of 2021 to graduate from college. And I'm now serving in the role of our director of operations. Wow. What incredible journeys and so many leaps of faith. I mean, good for y'all. Just 
going all over the place and always coming back to New York, though. That's something I've learned from you, Brandon. Always coming back to New York. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for sharing. Um, and Isaiah, you mentioned love, which I know is your y'all's team member value proposition. So just let's just dive right in. What is love? Can you share about, a little bit more about this team member value proposition and what you guys offer? Absolutely. So love for us is an acronym. Um, it breaks up just simply like some of our values. So love starts out talking about the L. So we lead with great tasting food and offering world-class hospitality. Our O stands for offer opportunities for growth, stability, and exposure to new life experiences. Our V talks about valuing ourselves and each other. And then our E is really talking about us embracing our core values. So honesty, integrity, commitment, and our pursuit of excellence. So our love offering was really coined off of this message, talking about simply loving on our team. Really the goal of it was to create one exposure for our team, but really talk about the benefits that people need in the day-to-day -day versus benefits that we assume that we need, right? So some of the most commonalities you'll see is like medical, dental, and vision. We talk about like we have a uniform allowance. So from our leadership team, allowing them to have a stipend. So that way, if anybody needs to purchase additional pieces of uniform or business attire, they have the opportunity to do so. We also have a transportation reimbursement as well. Um, but some of my favorite pieces I would like to talk about really are, I think what makes our love offering unique. One, talking about our family bonus plan. So one thing about just Brandon, his leadership style was really big on just like incentivizing and allowing people to maximize goal opportunities. So for us, our family bonus plan is really centered in, hey, you know what? Everybody who hits a year or above from a team member level um, is to one, we want to incentivize tenure. So what it does is now gives them almost like a percentage of the profitability in a little sense. So what happens is everyone has a metric in which um, we hit on different categories. So as far as CEM, we talk about our profitability goals. We talk about our labor costs and also our food costs. And the goal of these is to say, hey, you know what? Everyone has a buy-in to the organization. And then talking about our debt reduction program. So uh, another piece regarding our debt reduction is really thinking about forward level thinking. So for us, the debt reduction program really was incentivized to help leaders, team members to really focus in on just like educational reimbursements. We were talking about like longstanding debts, medical debts. Now, the purpose of the debt reduction was not to allow opportunities for you to like run up credit cards or spend a bunch of like frivolous <laughs> money. Like Brandon was really adamant on us about that. But it goes back to just like our initial branding talk about, hey, we want to provide that stability. We want to provide that growth. And it's not so much centered in just our organization, but we want to really pivot it towards life as well. Thank you for sharing that. Go ahead, Brandon. I, I think Isaiah did a really good job in uh, summer, summarizing it. When I was thinking about transitioning to Brooklyn, it was kind of just message spot on. Everywhere I went, even there's a large mural right behind our restaurant. And it's a picture of love. And I'm like, this just seems so synonymous to where we're headed in this season. But then when I really think about my own upbringing and all of the different things, I, I started off earlier saying I was very passionate about being in inner city urban environments because that was the environment in which I grew up. And so I started to think about what were some of the things that made you who you are today? And I thought about the different what I call bridge gap programs that came into my communities, exposed me to new experiences and new opportunities that then created those 
inspirational moments for me to dream beyond what I could just see in my immediate community. We're constantly looking at it to say, is it applicable to the current workforce that we have? And I think that's very important because just like change is constant, so are the needs of our team members. And so we want to make sure that we're constantly reevaluating our love offering to make sure that it is matching the current needs of our team members. In fact, we just had a conversation yesterday. Each month we have what we call our people succession planning meeting. And a part of that discussion is, hey, what, what we're offering, is it still relevant to the team members' needs today? Overall, we would love to say that a good deal of why we're consistently above chain average in our retention rate is because of the things that we do around our love offering. Um, and of course, of course, other things that we exercise and implement in the restaurant. Um, but that was the whole spirit of me developing the love offering, if you will, the O in that Isaiah made reference to, to offer opportunities of growth, stability, and exposure to new life experiences. That was every ingredient, success ingredient that attributed to where I am today. If I think back over just my journey from childhood to teenage years to adulthood, it was those three key ingredients factors, growth, stability, and exposure to new life experiences. And so we want to make sure that that is embedded in every single thing that we do. Um, I think you mentioned, we started talking about earlier about, well, why tell, talk to us about the debt reduction program. And so that whole idea started when I remember when we made the change and operators could now start offering 401k programs. And so everyone jumped on that trend on that train of like, yeah, 401k, this is going to be something like almost like our Hail Mary that help us retain top talent. And I think at the time I had already had the program in place for three years. And at its peak, I only had two people participate. And so I said, okay, I, let me go back to the drawing board. I started having conversations with team members. Hey, do you understand the benefits of 401k retirements? And what I started to discover was one, most of our workforce or our team members are either freshly out of college or high school. So they're within that age range of 18, 19, up to 23, 24, right? And what that told me in what I learned in our discussions was most of them had two top things. One, I'm just trying to make sure that I can live day to day, survive. And two, I got a lot of debt and I got to make sure that I can pay that and that I'm not drowning in debt. So for me to even think about retirement, that's kind of like far-fetched when that's not necessarily a necessity for me. And so I said, hmm, that's interesting. So then I had the thought of, well, let's play, let's play hypothetically here. What if those team members were able to be in the 401k, 401k program? That means those funds, they would have had to been allocated to the program regardless. So that was going to be an expense that I was going to incur. So why not take that same concept and really meet the team members where they are? Give them something that they're able to use effectively and immediately. The whole spirit of what I wanted around the debt reduction program was whatever your journey and 
your lane is going to be. I just need you to make that investment in yourself. And so then we started to see some of my Spanish speaking team members, they wanted to use their debt reduction for um, ESOL classes or English learning classes. And I was like, that's the purpose. All it is, is the spirit is you're investing in yourself. And because you're, you're choosing to invest in yourself, I can come alongside you investing you as well. And so we have team members that may use it for like housing issues. So maybe they have, maybe they have like a, a delinquency in housing. That's something that prevents them from being able to get future housing. So the deal is, hey, you work to pay that down and then we'll come alongside you. Same metrics as the 401k. We have the same stipulation. My agreement is that I'll match up to 4%. And so for some of those team members, 4% goes a long way when you think about helping them to match, knocking down some of those debt. We also take in some of the principles and foundation of Dave Ramsey, debt snowballing, right? So it's all of those good ingredients tied into one, which you now have this concoction that we know as our debt reduction program. Thanks so much for not only sharing the context, but just the evolution of your team member value proposition and how you listened to your team and made adjustments based on meeting their needs. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, would love to hear a twofold question for y'all. How are you communicating this team or value proposition to your current team members? You mentioned retention. So to drive retention, to make them aware of these offerings. And then how are you communicating it to potential team members? So, I mean, Brooklyn, New York, you can throw a stone and there's other places that they could go work. So how are you positioning yourself, leveraging this team or value proposition to be a local employer of choice? I can uh, kick things off. So I think to the first part of the question, talking about communication towards the team members. So we had a lot of intentionality on not even just on our benefits, but how we've communicated just our leadership development, that our progression. So part one to that really talks about one, we've developed our people portal. So essentially our people portal houses all things centered around just our talent strategy, our leadership progression process, all things training. And then also talks about just like our retention efforts as well. Part of our retention efforts filter into our love offering. Um, we also communicate this when team members are becoming hired. So in our orientation phases, part of our orientation deck talks through just, hey guys, these are all the benefits that you have provided to you that you may not even know of. Um, so for us, it starts out initially with just that orientation piece. And then secondly, it talks through just them having access for those who go choose to visit our people portal. That's where they see um, our love offering being communicated. Yeah. Uh, Missy, I'm getting jitters here as I think about these questions. Just day to day, my leadership team has done a really good job in like, I, I tell them treat our restaurant as a classroom. So think about like preschool, right? And you go in, you go to a preschool classroom and they, they have all sorts of resources from the ABCs, their numbers and colors. And so when you walk into my restaurant, the hope and spirit is like, you see some of that same remnants around like, hey, if you need to understand what our people portal is, here's a resource. If you, under, if you need to understand how to progress, in our organization, here's a resource. If you need to understand more about our love offering, here's a resource. Plaster it all over the restaurant. I don't care as long as we're able to get it out 
and get the word out. Oftentimes, the two, the two top things that team members want to know when they come to your organization, how much am I going to get paid and how can I make more and how can I go to the next level of a, as a leadership, whether I qualify for it or not. But those are the two top things that most candidates want to understand. There's a stigma of you can't build careers in the QSR space. And we try to work extremely hard of, yes, you can, with the right tools and the resources. And so from that, I already have three, no, Isaiah, we have what, eight candidates that we're interviewing this week alone for potential leadership positions, just from us hosting like informational sessions, people just showing up saying, hey, have you ever thought about career paths in Chick-fil-A? or at the local restaurant, right? Let us help you demystify what the stigma is around building career options or career opportunities in that in our space. I, I think it's, it's built on how you present it, but not just from a, a fluffy presentation perspective, but are we really living that out in the restaurant? And so we pride ourselves really big on just being able to do that. And so I'm excited about the work that my leaders are doing. Y'all are answering all my questions without me even asking them because I was going to next ask about the people portal, which you already touched on. But anything else you'd like to share about that as far as just like the impacts on your team since you've rolled it out? Um, and anything else you just want to mention? Got it. So really, we hit like the first official kind of soft launch of the people portal. Um January of 2021. And for us, really, we started out by just measuring, okay, how successful was the people portals engagement? So we had a lot of our different metrics and it talked through within our first month, we had about 30 different team members engage with the platform and the website. And for us, it actually has been a game changer. We've been able to grow our various different leadership benches really highly at our like certified trainer to team leader level internally. Um, We've done a really great job with just showcasing that for us, really like Brandon talked about, the vision was to really showcase the platform of, hey guys, you oftentimes come up to individual leaders saying, hey, I wanna grow y'all. I have no idea what the process is. I don't know how I'm gonna be trained. A lot of them are like, hey, I'm super passionate. I have this ability to wanna, you know, showcase my leadership or be have the opportunities to continue to grow, but I really just don't know how. And for oftentimes it was, hey, typically, you go to a leader, a leader may describe a process to you. Hey, this is the feedback you need to work on. These are the things that you need to do. While all those things are great for us, we wanted a way in which, hey, it was completely accessible to the team to say, hey, QR code, you go, you scan, here's a link to the website, you visit it. And how it's outlined in map, it showcases, all right, this is the application. These are the basic requirements that you need. These are all the development and or training resources that you will have prior to the role while you're in the role, and then if you choose to progress further from the role. Really excited to see the continuous growth of it um, and to see where we take it in the future. I I think the other intended benefit of our people portal is also it serves as our like central IQ and brain for for the organization. One of the things I was very leery of is as we continue to grow, I too realized that most of my leadership or some of them at some point, they're going to transition away from the organization. And I don't want years of content and information to also walk out the door with them. And so a part of that people portal, it serves as our kind of central, 
headquarters or, you know, bank of just like everything operations and systems content oriented for our organization. That was just another intended benefit for us of creating a people portal, not just so that we can clearly articulate and communicate to our team members, but to also have this like living document or base of just systems of development within our organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my last question is really, well, twofold. I like the twofold questions. Um, anything that you'd like to add that I might not have asked you? And then a piece of advice that you might give to operators and restaurant leaders who are on this journey to either create a team member value proposition or aren't seeing success with their current team member value proposition, just a word of advice. So anything that I didn't ask you and then that advice piece. Good question. You also know, I think. <laughs> Processor. I am yeah. too. <laughs> so I'll start with advice for operators that are thinking about what their evalu employee value proposition is. Start small, but give yourself permission to evolve with the process, right? I think so many times I come across individuals that they create it at its inception and they think that it is etched in stone. And I'm like, no, it's not. And it's okay. You can change it. Right. Um, and so if you think back over the journey and the many different points of evolution, we it started off as one thing and it's morphed to something that now is multifaceted. And so, but we also had to give ourselves permission for it to go that way. And so that's the advice that I would give to operators and leaders that are thinking about their employee value proposition. And one of the things that this goes back to your first point, we're just not an open cash, cash, you know, cash account either. So I do have a financial administrator director that they, it is their sole responsibility. We have a budget for these things. So everything that is in my employee value proposition, we got a budget for it, right? It, but we didn't start there. We didn't always have a budget. I think I gave it to them. And then after we kind of trued up our expenses after the first year, I said, okay, is this an opportunity for us to increase in the next year? Or do we need to reallocate here? And I love that because now I go to my director and say, like, right, the operator, I go to the director and say, hey, do I have enough in the budget to spend in this category? Like, we just had that conversation yesterday. Um, so we're, we're gearing up, getting ready to take our entire team to uh, Six Flags in a couple of weeks. And I was like, hey, I know we got a lot more team members this year. What is that going to do for the annual budget? But I love the fact that my leaders are looking at that from a physical responsibility perspective as well. Thanks for sharing that, Brandon. Anything you'd add, Isaiah? Um, I think Brandon summed it up, but I think for me, just taking it one step further really is to talk about, I think from a retention standpoint and just overall engagement, my advice would just be really to think of how to help the team win in life. I think oftentimes we think so much about, hey, like, how can I make this look so comprehensive? What is sometimes like the best financial package? But sometimes it's okay to have the unconventional typical benefits that serve really to help the team that you have so much so than attracting always like the best talent at times. It could be a twofold approach of saying, hey, 
I'm going to offer, like, I think through just our initial opportunities to focus on a debt reduction, while the debt reduction in itself thinks through just, hey, a very great opportunity to come in, reduce debt for yourselves. But really, it goes back to just helping the team win in life. Um, and I think for us, that's a really great strategy in terms of just like increasing that retention or just attack attracting top talent. It's just at the end, you always keeping the team in mind. So for me, that would just be my best piece of advice um, as you think through just like uh, retention benefits or just like the employer brand, like keep the team in mind. Yeah. And so I'll come back because he said some really good points. And I know that people that may listen to this podcast in the future, some people are like data driven. As we were thinking about building out our programs, we really didn't start off with a specified number or a metric, right? We started off at looking at what did we truly want to accomplish from a foundational perspective. So for example, if we talked about retention, we didn't initially set a goal to say, oh, we want our retention rate to be X, Y, and Z. We said retention is an issue. What can we do to address those, right? And then over time, as we started to execute on those different retention play initiatives, that's when we started to see the numbers increase. And now we're able to go in and say, okay, all right, now let's pay a little bit more attention to this specified number. Where is it headed? Um, and so I, I talked earlier about we've seen some decline in our retention over time. And granted, a lot of that is, you know, we could attribute that to what's happened in the pandemic. Um, but it gives us a, a focal point to say, now let's go back and reevaluate so that we can make sure it has impact on this specific data metric. Thank you for both for sharing that. And yeah, there's a lot of data people that listen to this podcast. And I know <laughs> that was a hot topic that we shared about RPMs because operators are like, okay, great. But how do I know if what I'm doing is successful? So I appreciate you sharing that and both of y'all. And I appreciate your time today and all that you were willing to share on this topic. It's been a pleasure to have you on here. And that will do it for today's episode. If you're looking to find, develop, and launch top talent, Leadwell is a resource with articles, videos, podcasts, and all other Chick-fil-A operator and third-party expert curated content. If you have any questions or want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast, let us know at leadwellchickfil.com. I'm Missy Darden, and thank you for listening in to the Leadwell Podcast. Leadwell shares leadership, talent, and culture resources, ideas, and tools from franchised operators and third-party experts to inspire franchised operators and their teams to find, develop, and launch top talent. As independent franchisees, Chick-fil-A operators solely determine the employment, leadership, and management practices in their businesses. <laughs>